baby, you are gonna go broke showing turkeys like these. Now we're talking turkey. Gobble, gobble, motherfucker. It's turkey time. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> it's a bad time. This time of year. How many times is he gonna tell this story? Oh, let him tell it. I love fairy tales. This ain't no fairy tale, little girl. If you don't take it seriously, you're a fool! <laughs> the first Valentine's dance in 20 years has to be something special. In this town on Valentine's Day, everybody loses their heart. Roses are red, violets are blue. One is dead. And so are you. It can't be happening again. No! It can't be happening again. What's going on over on Valentine Bluffs? It looks like Harry Wharton's back in town. It happened once. It happened twice. Cancel the dance or it'll happen to twice. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Let's Talk Turkeys. I'm Movie Miss, and this is our first episode of season four. And joining me today is the returning champ, co-host, and good friend of mine, Drive-In Dave. How are you doing today, sir? Pretty good after I got out of jail from that holiday brawl. <laughs> that, was, that was a fun experience. Those little, those little elves are like some nasty sons of bitches, man. Uh, that was going to be my question to you was how have you enjoyed your time off your break from the show did you get into any trouble i guess the answer is yes yep got into some trouble the christmas season was good to me uh until like i said we went out to that party and you know santa got a little drunk i got a little drunk there was a fight and then we, we got into fight with the elves and i spent new year's in uh, jail uh well you know i decided that i wanted to do something fun with my time off so i just spun the globe picked a spot landed on tanzania and i thought you know kilimanjaro i've never been scaling a mountain and kilimanjaro is such a fun word to say i just wanted to keep saying it and have an excuse to say it so i went and scaled kilimanjaro that's what i did with my break it was it was a balmy 78 degrees it was beautiful you know that's a hell of an idea i might have to do that but i think i'm gonna go with lake titicaca is that a real place <laughs> <laughs> that, that 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 is a real place. I know that's a real place somewhere. I've been I've been saying that that word for years. It's got to be a real place. So Lake Titicaca, here I come. Yeah, that's how I was like. Yes, it's fun to say. I'm going. So that was you know I'm I'm exhausted from that journey. So I, I'm sure you I'm sure you are. I mean that's a lot of hard work. I mean I I can't even scale like to the top of the stairs. Well, releasing this episode in time for Valentine's Day, 2024. So we landed on. My Bloody Valentine from 1981. And it is a turkey. Shocker, not shocker. <laughs> I I was not going in expecting anything. And I was pleasantly surprised that I didn't get anything. So I take it then this was your first time watch. This is the first time I have ever seen this movie. Okay. So for me, it might as well have been because it's been 20 years since I've watched it. I do own the Scream Factory 
steelbook special edition unrated cut actually is what I watched with like an extra three full minutes <laughs> of like gore here and there. Yes, definitely getting into the issue with that one. <laughs> And you watched it on a free streaming platform with a lot of commercial breaks, you were saying. So that sucks because I feel like that takes away from the viewing experience, especially on a first time watch. I'm used to commercials because I've grown up, you know, with cable. Like a lot of the shit that I watched was on cable. So, okay, there's always a commercial. But cable does it professionally. There's a good chunk of movie before you get a commercial. This streaming platform, like it starts out 20 minutes movie then commercial by the end it was like every five minutes to like three minutes there was a damn commercial like right in the middle of a sentence too like someone would start to talk and like hot and boom commercial and it's like okay like uh, there's an important scene going on i don't need a commercial for like some woman's douche okay that that's not the horror (laughs) that i'm looking for (laughs) oh wow that really ruined your experience then i am sorry because this movie is not great by any means. However, I feel like it is a pretty solid entry in the early slasher craze that was happening during this time. Let's let's get into it. Uh, this we're discussing it because a the Valentine's Day tie-in, but b it is a turkey. Critic score fifty-eight percent, audience of fifty-two. So they're pretty close, actually. I think that's the closest the movie has ever come for us. I think so. It's got a cult following. I can see why, like I said, people who grew up in the early slasher craze, uh, this movie was originally going to be titled The Secret, but they decided because they were were filming it in, you know, 1980, that they wanted to hop on the holiday craze. You've got your Black Christmas, your Friday the 13th, your Halloween. They were like, shit, we need a holiday. Valentine's Day, boom. (laughs) That makes sense. I mean, I, I read it a different way, but I mean, a lot of my my resources, like, I don't trust them. I mean, like, I came from, like, Wikipedia. So it's like, I, anyone can write on Wikipedia. No, I, I did a little bit more extensive research. There's special features on my discs and, you know, that sort of thing. I never just trust Wikipedia or IMDb. You just can't because anybody can write on there. So this film is Canadian. It had a budget of $2.3 million. It did five point seven at the box office. So it did okay. They shot on location in Nova Scotia, Canada, in an actual mine that had closed for good in 1975. But it actually had been operating since 1784. So it had to be filthy down there. (laughs) I mean, ugh. I can only imagine. And the funny thing is that until doing the research, I had no idea this movie was filmed in Canada because there's several spots where I heard canadian accents and i was like did i just hear what i think i heard the 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 always a tell in a movie is when they say sorry and they say sorry or a boot a boot yeah there wasn't a boot in this to me it's once i hear a boot i'm like oh canada (laughs) you canadians (laughs) (laughs) okay so the writer of this film john beard i'm not quite sure how you say his name maybe beard he co-wrote happy birthday to me in 1981 uncredited but also a fun entry in the horror horror genre for slashers back then uh we've got directed by george mahalka he's hungarian and i couldn't really find anything he'd ever done that i'd heard of besides this i noticed that with a lot of the cast too like they 
did not go on to do much. There's one guy that uh, when I was doing the research, um, Neil Affleck, the guy who played Axel, he's the one guy that when I was doing everything that I recognized some of his stuff because he went into doing like animation. So like he was like a time director and stuff on some animated products, projects that I know. Uh, Like he actually worked on the Simpsons movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of these people, um, I would assume, would be Canadian actors because early 80s filming in Canada, they grab who they can. The Canadian actors, like I said, I didn't catch that until later. The one guy that stood out to me and I had to look it up because I could have swore to who I thought it was. The man who plays TJ, Paul Kelman. I don't know about you, but he looked a lot like the teenage actor who played uh, Superman in Richard Donner's Superman. When um, Christopher, Christopher Reeves, you know, bef- before he took over, but when they were showing like Clark Kent. Oh, young. Kid. Yeah, young Superman. Uh, I can't remember the name of the actor, but I just, I thought it was the same guy because he looked so much like him. Oh, how funny. So to me, the guy who played TJ, our main red herring guy, he reminded me of a young Rufus Sewell, Sewell, the actor from uh, Dark City, curly hair. He's got the one sort of wonky eye. Uh, he okay. was, he, who was he? He was like the evil king in um, that movie with Heath Ledger, the night movie. Okay, I've never seen that one. And I should, because oh. there's an actress in there from Reno, Nevada. So, Fuck, I can't remember the name of that movie. Anyway, uh, uh, that actor, think- that's who he reminded me of. I also wanted to mention when I was doing my research, I was laughing because when you just Google My Bloody Valentine, you also get a band yep. from 1980. 1980- 83 is when they started, when they formed an Irish-English rock band. And they've actually been producing music steadily over the years. Their last album was 2013, which now is, you know, a decade ago. But still. They sound familiar. Like, I know I've heard some of their stuff, but it's just not coming to me. I I, I mean, like, I'm into that stuff, so I know the bands. They kind of got lost among a lot of other bands, so I cannot think of anything off the top of my head that they've done, but I know for a fact I have heard them, and I know that they are good. Um, yeah, they're not. I'm not sure if I would like their music or not. I'm going to have to look them up because I'm curious. It depends. Do you like good music? I like... I, actually, I'm I'm polyjamorous. I like a little bit of everything. I'm into everything. I'm stuck on the fact that you just... I don't know if you invented the word polyjamorous, but <laughs> no. I love it. I'm stealing that. <laughs> No, I, I will not take credit for inventing it, but I am using the hell out of it, let me tell you. I, I like that. That That is definitely... <laughs> so another little interesting note, when they were actually filming you know, in these mines, the methane levels were a real legit problem for them. I thought, well, then why the fuck are you filming in there? If, <laughs> if that's going to be an issue, because they mentioned it throughout the movie. There, there's several inconsistencies uh, that happen in this movie that make me just scratch my head and be like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Okay, you'll have to bring those up. That's great. I also wanted to note, just because it was fun to me, they on set kept the killer's identity, the minor, a secret to cast and crew until the final you know, scene when they had to shoot the reveal. I thought, how fun is that? I love when I hear that they do that on set. They do that uh, with some of the Scream movies as well. It's a fun little idea, and it does make it... Like, I don't know if they're they're doing it so they can get the uh, genuine shock out of the actors. Maybe. Uh, which I, I would wonder how that works, because obviously the, between reshoots and, and stuff like that, it's probably very difficult to pull that off. All right. Well, that's pretty much all I had for all the uh, lead up information. So unless you have something to throw in there trivia wise, we can jump to the IMDb plot. 
the only thing I could throw out is that my research team discovered something interesting that was very like I don't know how true it is, but um, oh, that uh, Quentin Tarantino apparently considers this his favorite slasher movie. Really? Yeah. I, I, I I'm the only reason I'm bringing up the like legitimacy of that statement is because I feel like Tarantino might have a little bit better taste. I mean, not knocking this movie, but he might have a little bit better taste. But then well, he I did feel some like weird shit. No, I feel like I've heard his favorite movie was horror movie was something else. Well, they said slasher though. This was just of like the slasher genre, not horror movie, but slasher. Oh well, I guess when you're into horror, yeah, there's different subgenres, and you'd have your your favorites. With his eclectic taste in film, I can see it being true. Yeah, I'm gonna say that I'm gonna research that after the show because now I'm curious if that's true or not. Not that I'm a huge well, Tarantino fan and really care what he thinks, but... Oh, so. okay. We got some problems now because I love me some Tarantino. Uh, well, everyone keeps saying I might change my mind if I actually watch the Kill Bill movies, which I haven't seen yet. Those are my favorites, but at the same time, I will say that there are other ones that are really good. It depends on what you see. Okay. So you're not uh, just mean, a fan of his, like, across the board? No. I mean, he's done some, like, okay, Death Proof, not a fan of that one. Did not like that movie. Oh, see, um, I like that one. <laughs> Uh, but then I'm not into cars or any of that stuff, so that one didn't work for me. I Neither am Inglourious, I. I liked Inglorious Bastards. I thought that was great. Yeah, that's one that is not my cup of tea, but I so I wouldn't normally watch it. But somebody roped me into watching it, and I fucking loved it. Inglourious I was Bastards? shocked. Yep, I was shocked that I loved it. It had a great cast, and of course, anything with Christoph Waltz in it, I am definitely going to check out because that man's amazing. Yes. Yes. Is he not in District 9? I don't remember him, but then I watched District 9 before I started to really love his work. Uh, he I, I don't know if he's in it. I'm asking. I, I, I want to say I thought he was. Yeah, he, anyway. that's the thing. I don't, I don't remember. All right. Let's jump to the IMDb plot. So a decades old, oh, we'll get into this terminology, by the way. A decades old folktale surrounding a deranged murderer killing those who celebrate valentine's day turns out to be true to legend when a group defies the killer's order and people start turning up dead okay is it a folk tale it really fucking happened <laughs> like 20 years ago i okay well like, like what's the what's the difference between a folk tale and an urban legend because it feels like this would be one of those things that becomes an urban legend over the time this is why i had a problem with it it's not an urban legend in the sense that they played the telephone game and the facts changed on each telling year by year and everything got switched around this is a factual thing that happened when these people who are supposed to be young adults who look like they're fucking 35 <laughs> oh thank you for that yes <laughs> when they were small children it was only 20 years ago these people were alive when these murders happened Okay, they would have been like five. That yeah, see, that's what got me was that it's like okay for it to be a folk, uh, like a folk tale or an urban legend. I mean, like not just twenty years. You're talking like fifty, sixty, a hundred years even has to pass, and people have to forget about this, and the story has to like blossom into something beyond what Evolve it was and into something else. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I had a problem with that wording. I'm like, and in the movie too, they talk about it's a legend or whatever, and I'm like, no, it's really not. <laughs> It's an actual crime thing that happened 20 years ago. <laughs> but remember, this is Canada. 
tw- 20 <laughs> years could be like 50 years to them. I don't know. They're I don't know how Canada goosey. works. Loosey-goosey with the time there. Yeah. All right. So our movie opens on two miners down in the coal mine in full gear, walking through a tunnel carrying pickaxes. <laughs> they look very menacing. What a dangerous job. It looked like it started off really creepy. I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Where is this going? So credits are rolling over movie while this is happening, by the way. And y'all know I love that because I don't want five minutes of credits. Let's get going. So credits are going over the movie. We get a weird thing at the end of the credits, though. It says special guest appearance by so-and-so, like the guy that plays the chief, I think. And I was like, this isn't a TV movie. Why does it? We had this also on the show before. Why does it say that? Special guest appearance. It's because it's in his contract if he wants to feel more important than the other actors. He's he's special. Oh, that was one trivia thing I read. I'm, I don't know if it's true or not in the production notes um, that they had to paint and, and work on the walls in the mines, a lot of the areas, the sections to make them seem darker because they were pretty light colored, like white on the walls and like well lit. And they had to darken it to make it more menacing looking. <laughs> And I, if they did, if that's what they did, it worked out beautifully because it does, it's very dark in there. Like I had a hard time seeing and that actually kind of ramped up the creepiness and the the suspense. So they stop in, in a fairly well-lit area. One miner strips and takes down the top of her outfit and she's wearing a little white lacy bra. You're like, wait a minute, that's not a miner. <laughs> What's I, it, going on here? I, I was very thankful for that because once once the stripping scene started to happen, I was like, oh, did I just download or like turn on the wrong movie? Like, is this not my bloody Valentine? Is this like, I'm going to ram it in your coal mine? Yeah, it, it's you're like, what is going on here? She's in the mine and it seems wildly unsafe. We see a prominent heart tattoo right on her chest above her titty. What do we think is going to happen here, people? What do we think <laughs> is going to happen here? 20 bucks to who guesses this one, right? The fucking bullseye is what that heart turns out to be. (laughs) So what I like about this movie for me that works in the creepy aspect is the minor gear that they have to wear, the face mask and the big hose is the respirator, uh, the hissing sounds that it makes. When somebody's breathing, it's like Darth Vader-ish, but also with a hiss. Really fucking creepy to me. A little creepy, but at the same time, I just thought he was like asthmatic. I wasn't really like, I, I wasn't paying attention to that part. I, I, I thought to me, the creepy part was the fact that like this guy goes down there with a, uh, no disrespect to this woman. I, I, I mean this in the nicest possible way, but she looked like a $2 hooker that takes coupons. So even as a killer dude, you could have done a little bit better. Well, I feel like he didn't intend to kill her at first and let, let but, but I could be wrong. Let's, let's get into this here. So she tries to take the mask off of him because she's clearly wanting to to make out and have sex and whatever. And he whispers, no, you can barely hear it, but I have captioning on. So I saw that he said it. So I backed it up and I was like, oh, he whispers no and bats her hand away, like not to take his face mask off. Did you catch that? I did not catch that actually. Even my captionings didn't catch it. Yeah. Yeah. So she decides to start stroking the air hose on his face mask in front with both hands like it's a cock (laughs) just stroking it and i'm like what how is that sexual in any way that is not sexy was any of this sexy like at any point (laughs) well the part where he grabs her boob was kind of sexy he grabs her titty but then he freaks out because you see him run his finger like on her heart tattoo on her chest And he suddenly stops, like whatever he's going to do, 
and grabs her and shoves her back onto this metal spike sticking out of the wall and it goes right through the heart comes out the front of her chest (laughs) that was so predictable but that's what i'm saying that i don't know if he was intending to kill her because he he kind of freaks out when he sees the heart tattoo it's like really (laughs) come on Okay, so I, I didn't catch that. And, and I mean, I, I actually watched this movie like generally paying attention. So it wasn't like I was just watching it <laughs> while while doing like five other things, like, you know, dusting the house or vacuuming and it just happened to be on. Like I actually paid attention this time and I didn't catch that part. So I, I might have to go back and check it out again to see if that was the intention that I got as well. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure. And then when he yeah rubs the heart and acts like freaky when he sees it, I was like, oh, Maybe he wasn't going to kill. Maybe he was going to have sex with her and then kill her. I don't know. But he seemed genuinely shocked that she had that tattoo. I mean, so again, she could have been a hooker. He didn't know what she looked like naked already. I'm assuming that that's what it was because they know like no one ever mentioned that they missed her. Like anyone else that goes missing in these movies, you tend to like, oh, so and so's gone. We, you know, what happened to them? This person, no one ever mentioned or cared about. So I'm, a, I kind of got the feeling like, yeah, she was either like a drifter or a hooker or something. Bitch goes no, missing and nobody cares. <laughs> I mean, you know, if a hooker dies in an alley, does anyone care? If you're not around to hear it, did it happen? (laughs) Exactly. She's Schrodinger's hooker. (laughs) So I thought when this happened, and again, like I said, I backed it up and watched it twice, the scene. The effects in this for a low budget, surprisingly good. I fucking love when that thing shoots out of her chest when he rams her back onto that. Yeah, actually, I was kind of impressed with the visual effects of this movie. I, I think that's kind of also what irritated me is that a lot of the, the deaths you don't really get to see on camera. And that so, and I, yeah, the MPAA cut nine full minutes of this movie to get it theatrically released. Yeah, and, yeah I, I heard about the reasoning behind it because of the whole John Lennon thing and people were cracking down on the violence in movies and shit and it just when the MPA just fucking sucks anyway oh yeah well that, that that's true too but it's like that <laughs> that kind of hurts that hurt a little bit to me because I really like there were some cool death scenes that I wanted to see on camera yeah and I felt like they could have done a really good job with it so, so I, the nine full minutes that got cut we only got three minutes added back in for the unrated cut which i was able to watch because i have the disc so we'll have to talk about some differences when we get to them because i know that you will maybe not have seen what i saw so i'm curious to talk about that yeah i i'm pretty sure that we did not see the same movie so i'm, I'm very interested <laughs> to see what you you lucked out and got to see some shit i didn't get to see So she screams, obviously, in pain as he impales her on this thing. And we zoom in on her open wide mouth as we cut to title card. And what I like about the title card for this film is it's moving. It's visual. The little hearts in bloody are beating and a little drop of blood drips from it. (laughs) It's so campy and fun. I loved it. It, This is definitely a campy ass movie. (laughs) All right. So we cut to underground in the mine. And words on the screen show us it is Thursday, February 12th. We see a car full of men coming up from the mines talking about how they left a bunch of apprentices down there to find their way back. (laughs) And it's so funny to them in this dangerous fucking job. And the supervisors seem to be okay with it. Again, I, I'm assuming Canadian humor, you know, like, hey, we're, we're just gonna, we're just going to let, you know, Joe Bob die down there. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I have to question Canadian sense of humor and if the writer is at all Canadian, because the one prankster guy, I want to say his name's Howard. Yes. His none of his none of his stuff is funny to me ever. Not one bit. <laughs> 
this is one of those movies that like no character stood out as anybody I liked, but Howard, I hated with a passion. So one man even makes a comment here about how explosive the methane gas can be. Watch out. It could blow anytime. And I thought, ooh, Chekhov's methane gas. Here we go. We're going to get that in the final act, right? Yeah, well, 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 that and they just they hype up the methane gas so much that there's yep, stuff later that happens that I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, yeah, you, you're like, okay, it, th- thank you, movie, for setting up the fact that you're going to give us an explosive, pun intended, final act. We're ready for it, right? So, so this is promising when this movie starts. <laughs> yeah, this movie starts off like I'm like, ooh, this is interesting, and then it slowly turns to like, oh yeah, I'm watching this movie. <laughs> so a bunch of men are now showering to wash the mine filth off of them (laughs) here at the mines after their shift they're talking about how this girl sarah used to date tj and now she's dating axel we're like okay i guess that's going to be important at some point yeah because this is exactly what i'm looking for in my horror slasher is a uh, a a romantic love triangle love triangle (laughs) yeah like this is going to be amazing in my notes i was like love triangle why do we care <laughs> because it's going to set up the red herrings exactly it's like but i understand what they're doing but it just it made it feel like like there's times where it shifts to like am i watching a fucking lifetime movie what the hell just happened here <laughs> <laughs> so this is where i'm going to introduce our drinking game for the movie because there is one and i'm not the person who invented this i found this on the internet and boy was i delighted i did Whenever somebody on screen has, and I did consolidate it so we wouldn't kill ourselves doing this game, you take a drink every time you see the Canadian beer Moosehead in a shot. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This would get you, I mean, one, you should only play this game if you're drinking beer. If you're drinking anything hard, three minutes into this movie, you're going to be shit-faced and passed out. 100%. So I'm not going to make you drink, obviously, but I am going to point them out for anybody else who wants to do the drinking game because this is pretty fun. There's a lot. (laughs) Oh, man. They all get dressed after their shower here. It's weird because when they're getting ready, getting dressed and stuff, somebody mentions the Valentine's Day dance happening on Saturday night on Valentine's Day. They mention it in passing. And I thought they look a little old to be high schoolers. What is this? What is this Valentine's dance they speak of? (laughs) What town does this? This was where I started to get really confused because like you said, they do not look like teenagers. They don't even look like young adults. They've obviously, to be drinking, they've got to be 21. I was like, what What are you going for here, movie? What, like, what, what's, what's happening in this situation? Yeah, I feel like they had a draft of the script and then they had to upgrade it. We got to make them a little older and age them up so they can drink. And then we've got to age them up a little more so they can, you know, it's like, okay, stop. They're like 35 at this point. So they all go out and they get in their cars and they head to the bar for some drinking. There's some kind of bluegrass hillbilly-ish upbeat music playing as they all hop in their cars and trucks and head to town (laughs) i literally wrote in my notes this is the exact thing that i wrote when did this turn into the hillbilly version of the benny hill show yeah it's so dated i was like wow (laughs) and one of them yells last one to town is buying the drinks 
And so they all fuck with each other to try to stop each other from getting in their cars. And then they all race off wildly like maniacs because they don't want to be the last one to the bar. It paints this town in a horrible light. Like, okay, so the only thing to do here is basically fucking drink. That's all this town has to offer. So that was my next comment. You're so funny. They drive past a sign for the town. And just to put a chef's kiss on this movie... The town is called Valentine Bluff. <laughs> and the town population is 3,785. So my immediate thought was, well, no fucking wonder. They got nothing but nothing to do in this town except drink and fuck and get into trouble. Like there's nothing else to do in this town. Uh, I've watched some movies with like some small ass towns that look boring as shit. I mean, like first one that pops on my mind is Tremors with like a population of 14 fucking people in the town. Yeah. That seems more interesting than the town in this movie. I know. And I laugh because the, the tagline for the town, the, the town motto is the little town with big heart. <laughs> it's shoving it down our throats at this point. Uh, oh, and it's, it's about to get worse too. Cause once they pull into fucking town, I mean, like it, it's like it's like goddamn Christmas uh, in yes. there, but it's all fucking Valentine. And I was like, I, like multiple times, I'm sitting here thinking, like, well, gee, I guess this is supposed to be a Valentine's Day movie, isn't it? I mean, like, it's not like they're subtly <laughs> saying anything. I swear to God, my note says word for word, like it's Christmas, because the decor and the banners all over town with the Valentine shit. A big thing that says Valentine's Dance on the 14th, and it's like, wow, they really get into Valentine's Day here. I would too, if it's the only thing to do in town is drink and fuck, then Valentine's Day would probably be the best holiday because you know what's going to happen. You're going to get drunk and you're going to fuck. So the guys all go bust in town to the, they find the gals who are busy decorating the union hall for the Valentine Day festivities. Several of the men go over to their lady friends and start kissing and hugging. And we see this loner guy. Uh, this is TJ, but we don't know his name at the moment. So I just wrote loner guy that, that Sarah had had dumped just standing in the corner by himself drinking a moosehead beer. That's one. Take a drink. <laughs> one, one of these days we're going to record this and I'm actually going to do the drinking game. <laughs> so the blonde guy and gal are chatting and he has a moosehead beer. Take a drink. That's two. <laughs> Then we cut to Howard, the nerdy, pranky, funny guy of the group, supposedly, who reminded me a lot of a skinny Shelly from Friday the 13th Part 3, the curly hair guy that thinks it's funny to play pranks on everybody. <laughs> okay, it's been years since I've seen Friday the 13th Part 3, but okay, yeah, I kind of remember him a little bit. Totally reminded me of him. Hey listeners, during the editing process, a part got cut out where I mentioned Moosehead Beer number three. So I'm just going to interject right here. Number three was in the shot. Take a drink. <laughs> he says in his best attempt to pick this chick up, do you know what would look really good on you? Me. Has ever worked in the history of pickup lines? I, I don't think it ever has. I don't think it ever will. But I appreciate, like, I, uh, I am a connoisseur of <laughs> cheesy pickup lines. I love them. They are amazing. <laughs> uh, I love using them. I love trying to create them. They're just so great. <laughs> it is fantastic. Because I was like, did I hear that right? <laughs> yeah, trying to pick her up like that. And of course, she doesn't go for it at all. Thank God. Walk up and do the, what's, what's the one I always remember was, uh, uh, do you have a mirror in your pocket? Cause I can see myself in your pants. That is so terrible. 
simple. Again, has that ever worked? Listeners, reach out to us. We want to know what pickup lines that are so cheesy they actually work. (laughs) We cut now to the mayor and Mabel, who runs the town laundromat, discussing how great the decorating committee has done for their first Valentine's dance in 20 years. That's when it clicked in my head. Oh, they're going overboard because they're so excited to be finally having another dance. But again, (laughs) really a town dance? Who does that? Apparently a town that has nothing else to offer. I believe this is before HBO was like, you know, common in people's homes. So it's not like you can get together on Saturday night and watch Game of Thrones. So Mabel and the mayor enter. Well, that reminds me of a sitcom name. Mabel and the mayor. We need <laughs> like a, th- a theme song. <laughs> I can see what? the plot. Mabel and the mayor and the adopt a little black child. Webster. <laughs> that's, like, that's, that's like what the fucking 80s sitcoms were. They go in a door and just as they're going in, young prankster Howard, which again, I call these people all kids, but isn't he fucking 30? He has blood <laughs> on his head, pretending to be hurt. So answer me this. He's clearly making a joke and a reference to the tragedy that happened 20 years ago. Is he not? That's what I picked up on it. But then at the same time, I, I mean, me it's it's Howard. So it's like, he's a dick. He's going to, he's going to do this kind of stuff because to him it's funny. And to everyone else, they're just like, oh, Howard, you lovable dork who's never going to get laid. But, <laughs> but that one, that made me, it hit the point home for me of not an urban legend. Cause they clearly all remember the tragedy. He's making fun of it. Like they know it happened. Well, I okay. mean, if it is an urban legend, you can still make that joke. But yeah, it's like still, like I said, 20 years, you're, you're going to remember this. Especially because they all, like you said, they look like they're in their fucking 40s. So. <laughs> I how we keep aging them every minute. <laughs> At the end, they're going to be in canes and walkers and shit. A couple of them so, look like it. They go inside this union hall and we see a loner dude still nursing his beer. Moosehead, take a drink. That's four. We see a young Wilford Brimley also sipping a beer. (laughs) Take a drink. That's five. This is where I have a problem with the teenage thing. Okay, the rest of them look like, you know, okay, it's 90210, basically. You've got 40-year-olds playing teenagers. But this dude does not look like a kid at all. This guy looks like he's married. He's got three kids. He's got a mortgage to worry about. Like, oh, he's going to do commercials for his fucking diabetes and shit. This is Hollis, and you don't know his name for like the whole first half of the movie, so I just kept calling him Young Wilford Brimley. (laughs) Every time he came on, I went, diabetes. (laughs) I kept calling him the fat guy, but now that you bring it up, like, yeah, that's Wilford Brimley. With his glorious walrus mustache. He's going to lose his temper and kick his dog. (laughs) (laughs) So now we learn, loner guy, that's TJ. He gets finally called by his name as he's leaving. He tells the mayor, he always go, oh, the mayor's like, where are you going? I always go this time of day for either another beer or a real good nose pick. (laughs) I saw that on the captioning and I heard him and I was like, that can't be right. I always go this time of day for another beer or a real good nose pick. What? Now he's 12. (laughs) Canadian sense of humor, man. Canadian sense of humor. So the chief now is there to round up the mayor and it's funny because he addresses the mayor as chief i'm thinking by accident he literally calls him chief and i'm like wait a minute you're you're the chief 
what am I? And I got confused for a second. It, it could be like it's it's. I mean, like I think you're right. I, I'm I, I'm pretty sure it was a a goof of some kind. But I mean, if you're gonna go logically, the mayor is ahead of the chief. So usually, anyone that's the boss of you, you're gonna call him like chief or boss or you know some shit like that. Oh, so, like so, like he's going, hey chief, like like just a, like a name, like a nickname. Yeah, like I think that's like the logical explanation for it. But I think you're right. I think it was a goof because there was quite a few goofs that they left in the movie. So the mayor and the chief now leave. They're, they're buddies, man. They're everywhere together in this movie. Have you noticed that? <laughs> well, it's because like, you know, you're going off the sitcom thing of the, you know, the mayor and Mabel and then the, the chief, chief makes the three. <laughs> yeah. We are slowly writing this sitcom, man. <laughs> Hollywood, hire us. So we see pranker kid Howard drinking a beer. That's six. Moosehead, take a drink. And then Mabel also leaves. Prank kid runs outside to give the mayor a heart-shaped box and says, somebody left this for you, mayor, but we don't know who it was. It was just here when we got here. Okay. So in the police car now, the mayor is riding with, with the chief. He opens the candy box and reads the note attached. So the note says... From the heart comes a warning filled with bloody good cheer. Remember what happened as the 14th draws near. <laughs> There's nothing scary about romantic, about like Valentine poetry. This just did not work. <laughs> hey, I've had ex-boyfriends write me poetry before. It can be pretty scary, let me tell you. What's up, frickin' weirdos? My name is Kevin, and I'm the host of Where the Weird Ones Are podcast. This is a conversational podcast based on guest experiences and encounters with paranormal, cryptids, aliens, spirituality, mental health, as well as conspiracies. If these topics interest you you can find me on amazon music apple podcasts spotify iHeartRadio, as well as youtube and rumble if you have an encounter or an experience of something that you can't quite explain i'd love to hear from you you can reach out to me at where the weird ones are at gmail.com where underscore the weird ones are on Instagram and where the weird ones are on Facebook. I hope to hear from you, my friends. Question everything and stay weird. <laughs> Nothing over $3 right now on the website trulyuniquejewelry.com. The website is now clearing out all of their inventory to make room for the new. Nothing over $3. Everything from necklaces, rosaries, rings, earrings, bracelets, extra extender chains, earring backs, every little thing you would need for your jewelry box, including gift boxes, all on clearance prices. So hop on over to trulyuniquejewelry.com. That's T-R-U-L-Y-Y-O-U n-i-q-u-e jewelry.com it's one flat rate for shipping so fill that box or envelope as full as you can with everything on the website priced under three dollars that's truly unique jewelry.com and now back to the show suspenseful casio keyboard music starts to play <laughs> <laughs> 
as we see part of a human heart and some blood inside the box. Shocker to no one. We totally saw that coming, right? We did. But I do have a problem with this one. If you notice, this box was left out in the open, given to the mayor and the chief. It sat in the car for however long it took them to drive. They opened the box this entire time. There is no blood leaking out of this box. I didn't pay attention to that. I love that you were looking for that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's I call bullshit when that happens. Totally. Yes, because later on, that's not the case. <laughs> so the chief sees the heart and go, oh, shit. And he turns on his sirens and flips the car around and they head back to town. And uh, one thing I noticed about this scene that just made me giggle because I love animals in movies and I always notice. I, I knew it. I knew exactly <laughs> what it was. I knew it. <laughs> they turn around to drive and there's this dog and they actually have the dog barking. Burp, 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 and he's running alongside the car for a minute before the car takes off. <laughs> Did you know if he actually nipped at the car too? He actually got the car. <laughs> oh, vicious fucker. So we cut to the town bar called The Cage where we see a bunch of beer. Moosehead, that's seven, take a drink. <laughs> Two men are playing a game where you spread your fingers out on the table and you use a knife to quickly go between them, a la uh, Bishop in Aliens. Just boop, 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 boop real fast, right? I, I and believe it's absolutely it's also... ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, okay, first off, one, I played that game once. Uh, not with a knife, though, because I knew what would happen. I did it with like a pencil. When we, when I, I knew I would lose a finger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I knew I would lose a finger. So I did it with a pencil as a kid. And I, I every single time I stabbed myself in the finger. Uh, but also that's that's in um, Big Trouble in Little China, too. The, uh, yes, like the it opening is. scene when we first see Jack. Yep. So they, they pull that. Then the bartender now, who I like to call Crazy Ralph, <laughs> also <laughs> Friday the 13th throwback, telling TJ the loner guy and another guy sitting there that this is a bad time of year. And the other guy that's sitting there with TJ at the bar, I called him the old man in the sea because he, he's got a hat and a pipe and his big beard. <laughs> he looks like he, he just came in on a steamer. Yeah, he looked like a sea captain. He did not look like he belonged in a mining town. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. So the bartender now gets loud and obnoxious trying to scare everybody about Valentine's Day. Then we get a close-up of the hands at the table, those kids playing the game with the knives. And they're clearly fake fingers at the, in this shot. And we see more Moosehead beer. That's eight. Take a drink. <laughs> so one of the guys, because these are fake fingers now, we see him stab himself. And, and he everybody chuckles. Like he's licking his finger of the blood and he's going, ah, and everyone's laughing like it's so hilarious that he did that. <laughs> like, wow, y'all need to get out of this fucking town if this is your entertainment. I mean, you want to see like the guy that like really sucks at the game at the bar, like laughing, like, ha ha ha. And he's like, got like one finger left. He's all amateurs. <laughs> <laughs> so the bartender turns into now a serious combo of Crazy Ralph and Large Marge as he launches into what happened 20 years ago. This is clearly for our benefit, the viewing audience, because all these fucking people know what happened half of them are, are so old now that they were like in their 20s probably when it happened and the rest were kids so it's not like nobody knows what happened right this is clearly for our benefit it is you picture the guy just telling this story like and everyone's sitting back being like yeah we know we were there we, we don't need to hear the fucking story <laughs> so we get this a series of flashbacks which i like because it helps us the viewing audience in 1960 
some men were trapped in the mines and there was an explosion because two supervisors failed to check the methane levels. What? Do you have anything for me on this? Um, with that one, the only thing I could say is like, okay, it was the 60s. So probably not, you know, you're getting a lot of people that don't care as much or whatever. Like, you know, they, they're, I can't say they were young because they looked like they were fucking old. So it's not like oh. they were like going out to a party, but yeah, they just. My question uh, is, why would you be checking the methane levels? Uh, why would it have anything to do with, they have to go down there and do their jobs and they know not to light a match or whatever. So how is this a problem? <laughs> Why are these two men to blame? I don't understand. Okay, the methane levels, I'm assuming, because also if it gets too high, it could obviously, you know, you're inhaling it, you're breathing it, so that could be dangerous. I, I would assume also like you're working with metal materials and if metal hits metal or metal hits rock, there could still be a spark that could probably ignite. That's a really I good know, point. I, I don't know you. enough about mining, but I'm no, assuming that's No, you're bringing logic, logic to the table. I like it. Five men get buried alive and a rescue attempt is made for six weeks. Again, what? <laughs> Wouldn't you give up after like four or five days? You're like, there's no way anybody's still alive six weeks later. Six weeks. Yeah, that doesn't seem likely at all. I've wa I watched quite a few survival stories on YouTube and a lot of the ones that I've heard about mines, the longest they go is about a week. And then after that, it's like the person's probably dead because of lack of oxygen. So six weeks, they're already gone. Yeah. They show them six weeks later, finally getting in. They find one man still alive, eating a human arm. <laughs> did you get to see that in your cut where he's just yes. gnawing on it? I, I did get to see that part because I, I liked it. But my whole problem with the backstory was that first off, let me point out, it was beautifully shot. I thought the cinematography on the backstory especially was gorgeous. Uh, because it had like this hazy thing too. So it felt like you were in a memory. I liked that effect. Agreed. But the, the story needed a little bit more, needed to be a little bit more drawn out because I, I would like to have seen what drove the guy to killing and eating the people. And it felt a little rushed. I understand why they had to do it, but I would like to have seen more. The guy that is left alive, his name is Harry Warden. They say that he stayed in a local mental hospital for a full year after the traumatic events of what happened and how he had to eat those people to stay alive for six weeks. And on Valentine's Day, exactly one year later, I went, what? Six weeks he was in the mines. So did they pull him out on Valentine's Day? And that's when he was checked into the hospital. And then one year later, he gets out. No, I picked up on it. It seemed a little confusing, but I picked up on it. So it was Valentine's Day was the day of the accident because they are the uh, foremans were trying to get to the dance. The That's two supervisors. The supervisors. Yeah, they were trying to get their to the duty dance. to get to the dance. You're right. Yeah. So it was a year to the accident that he escapes. Okay. So he wasn't in the mental hospital for a full year then because he escapes no. or gets released on Valentine's Day. Yeah, that, that they did screw up on. They fucked that up. Okay, okay, got it. So Crazy Ralph was wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, of course, he lives in a... I mean, I mean, he's hanging out in the bar. He's probably old. He's drunk all the time on Moosehead, so... Right. It, it makes sense. So they say that Harry got out of the mental hospital. He came back to town and cut out the hearts 
of the two supervisors that left and he put them in candy heart boxes and left them at the 1961 Valentine dance with a warning note saying never to celebrate Valentine's Day ever again. Supposedly, he comes to town every year on February 14th and hangs out in the mines waiting for someone to kill should they not heed his warning. <laughs> what? Dude's got nothing better to do than come to town every year and hang out in the mines on one day hoping he can kill somebody? <laughs> this always bothers me in in horror movies when they do this because it makes you think like what the fuck are they doing the rest of the year like is right. he just like tr is he training is he out shopping i mean like like okay february like 12th or something like that is he like out at uh, like a macy's buying like gifts and stuff for like you know his, his friends and everything and i look at the time like oh shit it's almost valentine's day i gotta get to town so i can go kill some fuckers but then he doesn't get to kill for 20 years if you know if that's the case because people haven't been celebrating so what's he been doing for 20 years yeah wah wah back in the bar now we see the old man in the sea is sipping on a moosehead beer that's nine take a drink <laughs> then we see the kids all laughing everything off like oh that's a stupid legend they would like i said would have been children when this happened so it's not a it, it happened it's a real thing is that a legend and I mean, there's something to bring up towards the end that that like tracks to like everything you're saying. Okay, so now we see just beer everywhere, moosehead beer everywhere. So collectively, this is ten. Take a drink. If, and if you were still conscious at this point, listening to this podcast, <laughs> bravo, you alcoholic, you. Hey, we don't shame here. Take a drink just for that. <laughs> <laughs> so this one douchebag hits on the waitress by calling her. A gorgeous slab of female flesh. <laughs> I can't even that, say it with a straight face. That is the worst one I've ever heard in my entire life. It's like, please take me back to the one from earlier because this one's terrible. That's like a Jeffrey Dahmer pickup line. Oh my God. So the men now all break into song about Harriet the waitress still being a virgin. Big old song, and they all know the words, so they must have sung this multiple times <laughs> to her. She smirks at this, and the gang all laughs. Even the women are in on the joke. <laughs> all the 80s. <laughs> I mean, like, yes, this, this, a lot of this you have to chalk up to the 80s, but I chalk it up to the town, too. Because if you notice, when you get a couple of close-up shots uh, at the table where the quote-unquote kids are at, there are some pictures of uh, naked women just plastered up on uh, like a post in the bar. <laughs> I didn't even see that. Because I, I, I had to catch it a couple of times because like, did I just see titties? And then I was like, oh, yeah, there's some titties there. Nope, that tracks. You've got titty radar. That tracks. <laughs> it, it, it was like out of nowhere. Like the whole bar is decorated in a certain way. And then it was like, oh, okay, this is kind of a nice little, like, you know, typical uh, country kind of bar. And then out of nowhere, I'm just like, okay, there's titties just out in the open. Suddenly you're <laughs> in a teenage boy's bedroom. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought of. So I feel like Harriet is not a virgin. I'm sorry. No, not in this town. Harriet has been passed around more than a moose head. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Harriet's legs are harder to close than the JonBenet Ramsey case.
fantastic. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> so now we cut to Sarah, the blonde, who has dumped TJ for Axel. She goes over to the jukebox to put on some music and runs into her ex TJ, who happens to be standing there. Shocker. Like she didn't do that on purpose. But like no one fucking noticed TJ. I mean, he sticks out. I mean, he's always in the back brooding. I mean, like, like I, for, there's a couple of times watching this movie. I was like, is this like the early version of the fucking Twilight? Like there's always some <laughs> dark haired brooding little bitch in the background. Right. Or Angel, the TV series. <laughs> hey, don't knock Angel. I love me some Angel. I actually do too. <laughs> So she says to TJ, who's minding his own fucking business, it's his own fault that they broke up and he needs to just accept things. <laughs> he says he doesn't like the way things are, so he's not going to accept them. And he walks away. Good on you, TJ. He's direct, at least. For a whining, brooding bitch, I will give the man credit for he does not beat around the bush. He's just like, nope, this is the way I feel about it. Deal with it. Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> so the police pull up to the Centerville police station. We go inside to a lab question mark, <laughs> wherever they are. I don't know where the chief and the mayor are clearly calling the hospital to see if Harry Warden is still a patient there because this heart has them, you know, freaking out that they got. They don't get any answer because it's nighttime. So nobody's there to answer the phone. The mayor says, it's just the kids playing a prank. And if it is, I want them strung up. I was waiting uh, I for was, him to finish the line. I was too. I was I was like, oh, please say Buster Browns. Please say Buster Browns. <laughs> he doesn't, but it was still fucking funny because we finished it in our heads. Oh, yes. So then a coroner, question mark, <laughs> comes in holding the heart in a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I me with this. Who is this fucking guy? I don't know. This whoever this guy was, I I mean, like I stopped paying attention the, the second his mouth opened because I was just like, like, where did you find this guy? <laughs> this is obviously an extra somewhere because he is not a professional actor. So then you didn't hear the part where he says this is clearly the heart of a young woman. <laughs> I it went in one ear and out the other just because his his acting was just so terrible. So he asks what's going on, coroner guy. Uh, he's not a cop. So why do they have to talk to him and tell him what's going on? <laughs> they don't. I, I assume that like in this town, everybody, especially officials, probably all know each other pretty so well. This is so they the want, next town they over. Oh, so they, okay. They did say this was the next town over then. They went to the next town over Centerville. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, they really didn't need to talk to this guy. Yeah, they didn't owe him shit. <laughs> so the mayor says, though, they think it's Harry again back after 20 years. And the coroner says it must be because it's a similar M.O. <laughs> I'm like, so, so this guy is familiar with modus operandi, apparently. Like, who are you? <laughs> are you okay. are you like on criminal mind? What is happening? I have an explanation. So we've already got the sitcom with Mabel and the mayor. This is the <laughs> spinoff of this guy is a coroner who solves crimes in his spare time. You know what? He probably works with our Lothario from Halloween 3, Tom Atkins and his glorious mustache, who is a doctor but solves crimes by night. I bet they team up. 
there uh, there was a crossover a very like like not many people know about the crossover ah see i knew it looked familiar (laughs) so we cut now to see black pants and boots a shot of just feet lurking around outside in the dark Ooh, and we hear the respirator breathing which to me creepy creepy this whole movie It was, but at the same time, it, it, it to me, like it felt like people were being stalked by Darth Vader with asthma. So. so this person peers into the laundromat and watches Miss Mabel busying around inside. It's decorated inside to an insane degree. The decorations are ridiculous. So he goes in and leaves a heart-shaped candy box on the counter and then hides this, this minor guy. And I wanted to mention... Even though the killer has a reveal at the end, which we'll get to, the person walking around in the minor outfit playing Harry Warden and the minor is Peter Cowper. He did a really good job to me in the same way Kane Hodder portrayed Jason. For somebody who walks around on the screen with no dialogue and has to be a menacing presence, this guy nailed it. Love the movie or hate the movie. That's how I feel about the minor. The minor was the best thing about this movie uh, to me. There's only there's only two things that came out of this movie that I really enjoyed. And it was the minor because, like you said, he was very menacing. Uh, the look was really cool. Like everything about that just worked for me. It just felt like he was in the wrong movie because I did not give a shit about any of the characters. Anyone who dies in this movie, I was just like, eh, whatever. That kind of hurts it a little bit. Like, like you know, like I'm not, you don't want to watch these movies to actively cheer for the killer killing people. I would argue that's why, especially some of the later Friday the 13th movies and Nightmare on Elm Street movies, you are rooting for the killer because you hate the people and you're like, kill them, kill them all. <laughs> you are, but there's usually at least one redeemable person that you're kind of like, you like that person, like that this is the character you're supposed to be supporting. The other ones you realize are basically just there to die and be annoying. So Mabel comes around the corner, finds the candy box, opens it, and the card reads, roses are red. I like how everybody in this movie, when they find cards, they have to read them out loud to nobody because <laughs> it's for our benefit. <laughs> I've never really picked up on any of that. Uh, and that's not just in movies, it's in television and in comics and like everything. It's like, it's it's for our benefit. I've never picked up on how annoying that is until recently you pointed it out. And I'm like, yeah, no one does that in real life. <laughs> I mean, maybe once in a blue moon, but not everybody all the time. So it says roses are red, violets are blue. One is dead and so are you. <laughs> All of a sudden, the lights shut off and the miner leaps out and attacks Mabel. We don't see too much of it, but he does put a pickaxe in her. (laughs) Kills her. Then we cut to young Wilford Brimley, prank kid, and this happy idiot in a junkyard now? (laughs) The small town, nothing to do. We're going to go to the junkyard and heat up our dinner in foil tins on a fucking car engine. It was this whole scene made me write the note. These characters feel like stereotypes of what real men are supposed to act like. Real men eat their food on the car. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would have okay. expected Tim Allen to be out there. I really would have like, 
it was bananas to me. I was like, what are they doing? And they're in a junkyard. So is this one of their cars they drove there? Or is this the one that happens to run that's in the junkyard? <laughs> what is happening? I don't, I mean, why do you have to go to a junkyard to heat your, your dinner? Like what the, I mean, it, it's a fucking TV dinner. Like you can't go to, Yeah. Uh, obviously the mine has a, a break room that you can get into. You're not going to like go there and cook. What the fuck are you guys doing? Yes. This mine situation they have there is fucking decked out. There's the rec room with a pool table, a full kitchen, pinball machine, like they have the shower rooms like this mine has everything why not go there all the time yeah yeah it doesn't make any sense like why are you going to hang out in a junkyard to heat your your hungry man tv dinner this is just like <laughs> ridiculous so we see axel sitting in a junked car playing a harmonica <laughs> oh boy he gets joined by tj of all people who offers him some booze tj also has a harmonica <laughs> and they play together for a minute i was like wow this is so blues traveler like crazy apparently that's that's like the number one thing you're supposed to do if you work in a like shitty ass town that has nothing to do but drink uh you're supposed to play yeah. the harmonica <laughs> tj says they have a problem and axel says he agrees tj asks what are we gonna do about it axel says nothing <laughs> and he adds Sarah made her choice. Okay, let's talk for a second. He's not wrong. I've mentioned this before on the show, so you know I feel this way. I hate it in TV and movies when two people, typically it's two men, fight, who are friends, fight, quote unquote, over a woman. Why don't you just let the fucking woman decide who she wants to date? Why is this ever a problem? Ever. It's stupid. I, I, in this one, though, I do see part of the problem was her because it's like, okay, she made her choice. Yeah, supposedly with, with Axel, but TJ came back. So he's back in the running. So it's like, okay, all you have to do in this in this position is be an adult and have Axel say, okay, you talk to her. I'll talk to her. We'll let her make the decision. And whatever happens, we will be happy with it. Thank you. But so Despite that's why I liked Axel's response. Axel's like, she already picked. So suck it up. <laughs> Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, you know, these are 50-year-old men acting like they're teenagers. <laughs> we keep aging them up. I love it. Axel says to TJ, you left. Nobody knew where you went or if you were coming back. So we started dating. All fair points <laughs> by Axel. Axel says he's not backing off. TJ says they both know who Sarah wants. She really wants me and I'll fight for her. And Axel just walks off. Axel's like, whatever, bro. <laughs> Fucking TJ, man. As, as a man, okay, you are supposed to fight for the for the woman you love. That is like an, a thing you're supposed to do. But it, the way he's going about it seems really like scummy. Yes. So then young Wilfred Brimley here wearing his kiss my ass. And the ass is <laughs> a picture of a donkey. <laughs> Trucker hat. Comes over, chowing down on his little engine-cooked tin of I-don't-know-what kind of food. Offers some to TJ <laughs> to cheer him up. And he says, nah, I'm good. And then he whines about how it's not really Axel's fault. Nothing stays the same. It's such a bummer because we used to be such good friends. And you're like, oh, maybe he's not a jerk. He just really loves Sarah. 
I guess. I call bullshit. I, I think he's still a jerk. So we cut to street shot of a huge banner displaying for the Valentine's dance. So words on the screen now tell us this is Friday the 13th of February. So apparently Jason is making a semi-cameo. <laughs> right? Inside the town hall that shares a wall with the DMV. <laughs> this is a small fucking town. <laughs> the police chief and the mayor are now on the phone to the state hospital trying to verify if Harry Warden was still being held there this 20 years later. This is the fucking, my favorite scene in the whole movie. This bitch at the hospital says they have no records of a Harry Warden ever being there. I don't know what to tell you. There's no record of him. I've never heard of him. Sorry. She, say <laughs> she says my favorite line in the whole movie. If I have no record of him, I have to assume he's been transferred, he's been released, or he's on the slab. One of the three, take your pick. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I love, I love like that. Like, that's a great character. But I can also see like being the person on the opposite end of that call being so annoyed and being like, okay, listen here, you bitch. His reaction is he's like, one of the three. <laughs> you know, he's going, what the fuck? <laughs> he puts his foot down with her and says, well, I need answers fast. So you better check your microfilm over at the, the center files or whatever the, I forget what. I, I remember microfilm. Up. Microfilm. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. fucking I need answers and hangs up on her. He has zero time for her horse shit. <laughs> he's I mean, like, I need to know. Do you, do you blame him though? I mean, like, like he's he's dealing with the serial killer and this this bitch with an attitude who's <laughs> like, I don't know what the hell are you bothering me for. <laughs> it's fucking funny, and her face during the scene and the way she's clearly irritated, and it's like this. Is, you have to remember, especially when watching this for the first time now in '81, you weren't looking anything up right quick on a computer or googling anything like you had to go find the records room search the fucking hard files or the microfilm like it took days to find things out yeah i'd be pissed i need i need answers now well you gotta wait a while buddy <laughs> sorry it's gonna take time you, i mean you gotta wait a while but also you gotta find someone who wants to do their damn job obviously this woman doesn't you know <laughs> Maybe she's like getting pissy because she wants to get off work and go get a fucking moose head as well. So, <laughs> right. W-A-R-D-E-N, Harry Warden. He was committed under court order approximately 20 years ago. Well, I'm afraid I have no records of a Harry Warden, past or present. How can that be? He was committed there under court order. I'm sorry. I have no records on him. Look, in 20 years, any number of things could have happened. Now, if this Harry Warden was committed, as you say, then he's simply no longer here. And if I have no records on him, I have to assume that he's transferred, he's released, or he's on the slab. One of three, take your pick. One out of three? Now, look, Mrs. Raleigh, you're going to have to do a little bit better than that. Now, I have to know what happened to this man, and I have to know what happened to him now. Have you checked everything? everything except the microfilms over in central file and it will take several days to check that look i need answers and i need them fast so now we cut to sarah and her brunette friend patty who is dating young wilford brimley we find out later he's batting way above his league there i i was gonna say like we gotta we gotta take a moment to pause <laughs> and applaud 
the fact that Wilfred Brimley, uh, Hollis here, is able to pull Patty. Because Patty, like for 80s women, actress playing Patty is pretty attractive. Agreed. Uh, for this man to get that, I, I I bow to him. I applaud him. It's like that that's some skills, dude. He's very he's gotta be very skilled in the bedroom, is all I'm thinking. When I saw he was dating her, I was like, wow, he must be a fucking Greek god in the bedroom. That, that or it's it's the personality. It could be the personality. Speaking from per you know, personal experience, nope. personality <laughs> can get some get some attractive women. I've I've watched this movie. The man has no game whatsoever. <laughs> He's got to just be well hung. All right, so... Let's move on there, size queen. <laughs> Patty... <laughs> Patty and Sarah are walking and talking. Patty says to Sarah, you can't have them both. You need to choose one. She's like, oh, I'm just just joking around. Ha ha ha. And I, there was no joke there. <laughs> there was... You're not wrong. She needs to pick. Uh, there was no joke there, but I do call bullshit. This is the 80s. We're, we're, we're like barely out of the 80s, uh, out of the 70s. Why can't you have both? I mean, sexual freedom. There's plenty of room for, for both men there. Uh, well, if, if they're both into it, I don't think she should fuck around with each of them behind the other one's back. She should be open about it. Yeah, I mean, be open about it. I mean, like, you know, obviously there's some sexual tension between TJ and Axel. So like, we can get like a whole three, <laughs> get a whole three-way relationship going here. They have a bit of a bromance. So Sarah says she doesn't want to go to the dance. I don't want to deal with this because TJ and Axel aren't acting right. So I'm over it. Patty pressures Sarah to go because she is dying to show off this new dress she bought just for the dance. Patty has to wear it. Sarah has to go. Why does she want to be a third wheel with you and Hollis? <laughs> How fun is that? Hey, maybe she's trying to get in, in on that. Like, maybe we're going to go from a bromance to a homance. Uh, I have no <laughs> idea. Let's put a pin in the fact that Patty hypes this dress up. Low cut. Split up the side. Remember this, people. She talks this dress up. And I'm like you. I was like, well, she's the most attractive female in this movie. So hot damn, we're going to get to see some action later. I, yeah, that's I'm what I'm thinking. really yeah. interested in the dress. So we cut to the chief showing up at Mabel's laundrette. And did you notice this? The chief is nursing this pipe the whole fucking movie. And not one time is he actually smoking it. <laughs> but I, he always has it in his mouth or he's carrying it. I noticed the pipe a lot. And yeah, now that you bring it up, I don't recall him ever puffing on it. It, it was like it says, either in his mouth or he's holding it. It's just like a, a, a tension grabbing kind of piece or something. Yeah, I, I, it makes you wonder if he kind of went over and said, you know, to the director, I feel like my character would come off a little more distinguished if he had a pipe. And the director's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, pal. That's fine. Yeah, I call it bullshit. <laughs> I, I mean, it would have been better if it was like a cigarette or a cigar. It would be more believable in this town. Oh, everybody in this town is just smoking and drinking. Like, that's all they fucking do in this town. So... He goes into the laundrette here and he can't find Mabel and he starts to notice some of the decorations are turned upside down and it, that's weird. And he starts pulling them off the walls and then he's acting like he can smell something funky in the air. He's like a dog who caught a whiff of another dog. Like, what, what is that? What is that smell? And he's moving his head and sniffing. He sniffs his pipe to check if the smell is coming from his pipe. What? <laughs> So he takes clothes out of a dryer that's running and he tries to 
you know, check and see, is that where the smell's coming from? And the dryer right next to it, also running, and there's blood on the fucking window door of the dryer. He doesn't see that. (laughs) And then all of a sudden it pops open and out comes Mabel's gross looking body, all melty and nasty. (laughs) This whole fucking scene, I absolutely loved. I was like, for a horror movie, this was great. A, a fantastic body reveal. Uh, I was yeah. a little disappointed we didn't get a little bit more time on the body, but it gave you enough that you're like, oh shit, that's cool. So I think this is where some of that extra time went because they it's like a there's like a shot of like slow-mo when it's falling out of the dryer and they cut to him and his his <laughs> his terrible reaction to this body. I swear to God, it's like the man, he's in hes in police work. You've never seen a dead body. I mean, like maybe it's one of those towns where you don't get a lot of dead bodies. But at the same time, we know the history with the uh, with Harry. So, and he's obviously old enough to have been on the force at that point. Maybe he wasn't chief, but he was probably like a deputy or something. He looks right so now like, like, yeah, he's in his late 50s. Yeah. So it's like, so he's probably, like I said, seen a dead body. And then between also like the mine, there's got to have been like accidents and stuff that would have involved the police coming up to investigate things. So yeah, his reaction was a little off-putting. I, like, wait a second. It was so weird. And they cut back and forth between him and Mabel three or four times. So you get, we got some really good, good look at Mabel's gross face and shit. So I don't know if you got all that in your version, but I, I really liked it. I didn't get that. I only got the, I got the part where she pops out and you get a quick glimpse of her. I think, like I said, there may be like a little slow motion scene where it happens, Yeah. but it didn't, it never went back to her body after that. Okay. So we got some extra on my disc. Yeah. Yeah. It looks great. (laughs) So then we cut down to the mines where our gang of townies are hard at work doing whatever it is they do down there. TJ and Axel almost fight, but it gets broken up. And then we cut back to the laundromat where Mabel's body is getting taken away now. (laughs) The mayor is there and tells the chief, this is just like it was 20 years ago, and they need to get help from the neighboring town. I do have a a problem at this point because, okay, we don't know that Harry had killed her. For all we know, maybe he was trying to help her out with like a date and was like, hey, let's get some of the wrinkles out of you. We'll put you in the dryer, put you on tumble, get the wrinkles out like you do with your clothing. And they just forgot she was in there. And like that, it was like an accident. Okay. Oh, my God. Did you ever play hide and seek when you were little with like your friends or your brother and like somebody hides in the dryer and gets stuck? No, uh, none of my friends were dumb enough to ever try anything like that. Just curious. So the chief poo-poos that idea immediately he does not want to involve the other law enforcement he says a bunch of cops crawling all over the town is a bad idea because it's going to cause panic i'm like well you apparently at this point up to now appear to be a one-man police force sir so (laughs) you probably need help especially if you're that startled by a dead body (laughs) i mean we're at like are we 30 40 minutes into the movie at this point yeah Okay, and we've seen one fucking cop, which is a sheriff with a pipe. Yeah, at this point, like, let's bring in some more people, please. So the chief then orchestrates a cover-up on Mabel's murder. (laughs) He tells the paramedics to say it was a heart attack. And before they take away the body, though, the chief takes a piece of paper, a paper heart, that has been sitting inside Mabel's chest cavity. (laughs) With his bare 
hands. Sir, you are handling evidence. <laughs> what are you doing? I mean, he doesn't exactly have a competent crime lab, so I'm pretty sure they're not, you know, like nothing in this town has ever been handled properly. So, <laughs> except Patty, apparently. <laughs> Patty's being handled very properly. So he reads the note, of course, out loud to the mayor, and it says, it happened once, it happened twice. Cancel the dance or it'll happen thrice <laughs> so this minor clearly not winning any poetry awards he's not going to his slam poetry jams i mean like now i guess we know what the hell he's doing the other uh other like days of the year he's sitting there like reading the dictionary trying to figure out how to write poetry <laughs> read the dictionary for that if you get a rhyming dictionary then you can figure out like how to rhyme words right twice with thrice <laughs> I didn't say he was that one. I didn't say he was good at it. (laughs) All right, listeners, that is going to wrap up part one of our discussion on 1981's offering to the holiday film craze slashers of the early 80s, My Bloody Valentine. If you're interested in checking this film out at the time of this recording, it was available pay streaming on Amazon Prime. I'm wondering if that's the uncut version or with the extra three minutes. Uh, You'll have to let me know. Uh, It's also playing, I'm guessing the version that Dave watched, free with ads on Pluto TV. Now, I have no doubt that's got to be the cut version. One of the two. Take your pick. Uh, Thank you all for joining us and uh, pay attention uh, to the feed next week. Part two is going to be popping up as we wrap up our discussion. Don't forget, we also have coming to Patreon this month, two more new exclusive Valentine episodes, a commentary track, as well as a standard episode. That's patreon.com slash let's talk turkeys. Our subscription rate is a very, very reasonable $3. So why aren't you over there checking out our content, especially the exclusive stuff that you're not getting here on the main feed? I just don't know. (laughs) At any rate, we'll see you all next time. Goodbye. Hey listeners, Movie Miss here saying we know you have a lot of options when it comes to podcasts, so we want to thank you so much for listening to ours. Please make sure to find us on our socials and join us. Be part of our bad movie conversations. We want to chat with you. We're on Facebook with an official page as well as a Let's Talk Turkeys discussion group where you can talk with other like-minded individuals who like bad movies. We're on Instagram at Let's Talk Turkeys. Our Twitter handle is at Gobble Podcast. That's G-O-B-B-L-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And of course, you can always email us direct. We would love to get suggestions from you of movies you would like us to cover. If you want to be a guest on the show, we would love that. So directly, that's Let's Talk Turkeys, all one word, at Yahoo.com. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.